Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones that you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com Florio and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash Florio. F-L-O-R-I-O. Thanks for your help. Heck yeah, man. He expresses frustration all the time, man. Um, he wants to be significant. Um, he wants to be a reason why we're successful. Um, man, y'all don't begrudge that. Um, I want guys who want the football. I want guys who want to be central reasons why we're successful. And so that's, um, you know, that's a non-issue, to be quite honest with you. Are there any you experience, though, dealing with players, young players specifically? Like breathing. It's easy. I know it's a cute story for you guys, but it is it is a pebble in my shoe, to be quite honest with you, in terms of the things that I have to do in an effort to get this group ready to play this week. Our focus is on the Green Bay Packers and what we're all going to do um, in this football game. Uh, and I can't state it any plainer than that. I like the metaphor of the pebble in the shoe, but but here's the problem. Didn't Parcells always keep a pebble in his shoe so he was always irritated? I maybe don't... maybe maybe Tomlin I think I heard somewhere that, that Parcells used to keep a pebble in his shoe. I I don't know. Maybe my maybe my brain's misfiring. But my point is pebble in the shoe is a pain in the ass. It becomes one. You've got a pebble in your shoe. It is a constant annoyance. Maybe he accidentally peeled back the curtain on what the George Pickens experience has become for him. It is a pebble in the shoe. It doesn't go away until you take the shoe off and shake it out, and it starts to drive you freaking crazy. So regardless, he was trying to downplay the whole thing. And at one point, he had that derisive comment about social media and reality TV. Well, Mike, that's one of the reasons why you're making eight figures, because people care. I always get a little nervous. I always get a little uncomfortable when coaches start complaining about you know, the non-football aspects of the sport. If it wasn't for the non-football aspect, if it wasn't for the reality TV and social media aspect of it, you wouldn't be making the money you're making. It's like what I say all the time when Bill Belichick huffs and puffs about media questions. Bill, if you don't like it, go coach high school lacrosse and get paid accordingly. Part of the reason why people ask you those questions and want to know these things and cover the sport and are fascinated by everything that's happening is because it's so big. It's one of the byproducts of the thing being so big. Just like what I said earlier, you don't get to pick and choose what attention you get. You get a lot of attention and a lot of questions and a lot of issues because it's so big. So regardless, 
there's clearly an issue with George Pickens. He's not getting the ball as much as he wants. He stormed off the field after the touchdown the other night to Deontay Johnson. He left the locker room. He was upset, as Mark Caboli of The Athletic pointed out. On Friday, he scrubbed the Steelers off of his Instagram page. He had on his Instagram story, free me at one point. That's how modern players communicate. We've established that. You know, early on, the kind of the, the, you know, the crustier, more established sports writers were like, oh, that means nothing. No, it means something because that's how they send their messages in today's NFL and professional sports. It clearly meant something. Tomlin is trying to get us to think it means nothing. It means something, and what we need to do going forward is pay close attention to how involved George Pickens is in the offense. Chris, it all goes back to the fact they've got this great talent that they don't scheme to involve in the offense. Minus one yards for an entire game for George Pickens, that's not enough. you got to get the ball in his hands and let him do his thing. Kenny Pickett has said that. He was on Adam Shine's show on Sirius XM Mad Dog Sports Radio a couple of weeks ago. He said, we got to get him the ball. Whenever he's in cover, get him the ball. They just It doesn't seem to me that they have a plan, an affirmative plan to get this guy the ball, and that's why he's frustrated. Yeah, I mean, that, that's exactly why he's frustrated. I, I understand his frustrations. I get that. You know, still don't like to see him act the way he's acted here over the last 10 days. You know, that doesn't make it right. I understand he's frustrated, too. You know, I get that. But, hey, you're winning football games. Yeah, the offense isn't very good. Nobody's getting the results they want right now. Nobody in the offense. You know, so that's where, you know, be, be a good team player for now. You've stated your case. Everybody knows you're not happy with the ball, but don't start to become a distraction here, right? And, you know, to, you know, like, like Mike Tomlin's saying here, too, a little bit, like, yeah, he's, got to, he's worried about the big picture of the game. He knows his, that George Pickens' personal feelings are hurt and all that. Okay. But, you know, knowing Mike Tomlin, he's going to go, you know, buck up, Bart, show up for practice, go to work. We'll see if we can get a little bit better in these areas. But Deontay Johnson, I'm sure, is not happy with his production. You know, Najee Harris isn't sure with his happy with his production. You know, same with, with uh, Pickett at quarterback. You know, their offense, yes, to your point, they do nothing. They're not very creative. They don't know how to feature people. They don't know how to call plays and, you know, use them as far as how to string them together to where they make sense and get an offense thinking one thing and showing them one thing and then doing another. You know, they don't know how to tie plays together that way. So, you know, it's a problem systematically that leads to it. And then... You know, there's nothing else in the offense that takes pressure off of Pickens, and that leads to this. And you know, it's it's. I understand he's frustrated and all that here, but uh, you know, he's got to watch it. He's got to watch it because he's going to become a distraction and he'll become an enemy of the people and an enemy of the team here if he starts to do this too much and too often. And look, the reality is, Mike Tomlin has shown that he has a mastery of getting through to a player who might otherwise be inclined to be difficult. One of the reasons he's so well-respected around the league, coaches who have inherited former Steelers players completely unaware that the player might be a total pain in the ass because Tomlin was able to keep that player in line with his better angels while he was with the Steelers. Antonio Brown is the most obvious example. There have been others that when they leave Pittsburgh, it's like, what the hell? We didn't know. We didn't know. We didn't know this guy was like this. Mike Tomlin, my goodness. 
how in the world do you keep that from becoming a thing? And what he's trying to do is keep George Pickens from becoming a thing. And the fact, Chris, maybe this is why he was salty yesterday. Maybe this really is the pebble in his shoe. The fact that George Pickens is acting out counts as a failure by Mike Tomlin. When did Antonio Brown ever act out? Until he didn't win the team MVP award in 2018 and Juju Smith-Schuster did, and that was the final straw, and that was that for Antonio Brown in Pittsburgh. Antonio Brown just didn't wake up that day and suddenly become difficult. He'd been difficult for years, and Mike Tomlin had kept it from ever hitting our radar screen as members of the media. The mere fact that George Pickens' discontent has landed clearly with a thud on the media radar screen is a failure by Tomlin because Tomlin typically finds a way to neutralize and control before that ever happens. That's the real story here, I think. The mere fact that it happened, the mere fact that Pickens' frustrations boiled over is a sign that Tomlin doesn't have control over this one the way that he was able to control others, including but not limited to Antonio Brown. Well, I, I'm, I'm sure there's, there's, you know, that, that bothers Mike Tomlin to a degree. And again, they're a team that, yeah, you know, kind of built on that renegade nature, right? Where, yeah, he wants to make them renegades, but also buy into team. And he's a master at doing that. But he's got one here that's being you know, a little too renegade-ish and starting to spout off on social media and complain about targets and all of that. And, yeah, I'm sure that bothers him. But it bothers him to the point of, like, wait, I still got to worry about the team. I, I've had other receivers here before who've complained about the football and want the football more, and I do all that. You know, quite recently being Chase Claypool, right? Oh, and now he's not even relevant right now in the NFL and, and doesn't seem like he can get it on the field on a consistent basis in Miami. So that's where, you know, be careful. George Pickens, this is the team that drafted you when you didn't really play your senior year at college. And they took a second-round pick on you where I think a lot of teams were scared to even draft you in the second round, even though people saw your talent. So, you know, that's where I'd like George Pickens to just keep the big picture in mind there, understand the frustrations, I get that. But the offense, it's a systematical issue throughout there. And – you know, no running game to really help it, to help him, help Pickett. Pickett's not a superstar type of quarterback that's just going to be able to throw lasers and launch bombs all over the field and scramble and set up and make plays that way. So he's not going to be able to take over the game that way. They need a system. They need a system, especially with that quarterback. And right now that's not being delivered to Pickett in that offense with Matt Canada. It is amazing to me how Steelers fans constantly have they have like a tracking beam, who they're looking for to vilify. It was Matt Canada, and it was Matt Canada most of the year. And then, and then when it seemed that Mike Tomlin was oblivious to the problems with Canada, it kind of shifted over to him. But it's kind of hard to keep that on Tomlin when they keep winning games they shouldn't win. Right. And now it's kind of moved to Kenny Pickett. So many Steelers fans in the aftermath of Sunday's games pointing out that C.J. Stroud already has more career touchdown passes than Kenny Pickett. So Pickett is becoming the new pin cushion. It's Canada. It's Pickett. And even though George Pickens, and, you know, my son said to me when we were watching the game Thursday night, hey, if this guy's as good as you think he is, he would have gotten his second foot down on that play in the end zone. Because it's just a toe tap. Whole foot comes down, and it's out of bounds. Wow, great job, control room. There it is. 
You get that second. I mean, no, that, I can't argue with my kind son. of easy. I mean, for an NFL superstar yeah, receiver, yeah. There, there's no excuse for that. Yeah, and and I yeah, will so, say this too. I do think he's a little overrated. I do. I'm going to be the one to say it. He's real good. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say he's not real good. But I do think because of some of the highlight plays he's made and the things we've seen at training camp, it's led to the social media fan base and all those people thinking he's a little different. And when you watch him, it's not as much separation as everybody likes to think. It's not Randy Moss, like where he's just running by people and we're like, oh, how did they not throw it to him? It's, it's not that way. He's really damn good, don't get me wrong. But I feel like sometimes people are acting like it's Justin Jefferson or, you know, it's Tyree Kill or it's Odell Beckham Jr.'s first few years of his career. And I want to go, it's, it's not that. It's good, don't get me wrong, but it's not that. And I think there's a little bit maybe more hype around him than there should be, at least in, in my opinion. I disagree with you. I think it's not possible to come to that conclusion because they don't throw it to him enough so we can see. Because even when he's covered, he makes the catch. We see that time and time again. So I need a greater sample size. And the reason I don't have a sample size is they don't scheme to get yeah, him the well, ball. Yeah, well, they're good. They don't at, believe in him. Right. Wait, he's great at all that stuff. I'm just telling you, I don't need to watch that. I watch other guys and go, they separate all the time. Just some of the names I mentioned. If Justin Jefferson didn't catch the ball, I'd still go, damn, he's open. They should have thrown it to him. He's wide open. He does that a lot. Pickens, My it doesn't is, happen he doesn't as much. To, Pickens doesn't need to separate. Pickens, Pickens doesn't need to separate. If he's covered one-on-one, -on -one, he doesn't need to separate. Just throw it to him, and he'll go get it. He's shown us that. Yeah, no, he's I, got I hear the you. chance. I hear you. I, I get you. Like, you we that, see these great highlight plays. Yeah. It's like the only time they throw him the ball is the highlight play. Yeah, If they were well, throwing it to him all the time, and there's one highlight play out of 20, okay. But it's like every time they throw him the ball, he does something with it, except on the one where he doesn't get his foot in bounds, which is kind of counter to my point. By the way, by the way. Yeah. I wasn't crazy with the Bill Parcells pebble in the shoe. That's real, I have found huh? the story that explains it. After the 1983 season, his first as head coach <laughs> of the Giants, when they went 3-12-1, and, and remember there was talk that they were going to bring in uh, Howard Schnellenberger and get rid of Parcells after one year. Yeah. George Young was talking about bringing Howard Schnellenberger from Miami and dumping Parcells after one year. He put a pebble in his shoe because he was concerned that his new plush job had made him soft. So training camp of 84, awesome. he put a pebble in his shoe to be a constant irritant. So maybe in a roundabout way, Tomlin was speaking a truth to us, even though that's not what he meant. The pebble in the shoe, I think Pickens is the pebble in the shoe because he's managed to keep Antonio Brown and others from becoming that pebble in his shoe until he was ready to just get rid of Brown. Like, once Brown finally crossed the line, we're done with him anyway. He's reached the point where the physical skills no longer justify constantly working to keep this guy in line. So, pebble in the shoe, George Pickens, it doesn't quite mean what Mike, Tomlin, Mike Tomlin would suggest it means, and it worked well for Bill Parcells, helped turn his career around as a head coach. So, when in doubt, when in doubt, if you think you're getting a little soft, if you think life is getting a little too easy, just put a pebble inside your shoe <laughs> and leave it there. We'll take a break. When we return, power rankings for week 10. What does Chris like? What does he not like? It's more fun when there's stuff he doesn't like. We'll check that next here on PFT Live. Agunbowale, the running back for the lead. 
snapped it down, the kick is up, and it's good! Daria Kumbuali for three, and the Texans are back in front! <laughs> are you kidding? Like he's been doing it forever. Here in the fourth quarter, play action, Bryce Young throws it left side, and it's picked off by the Colts. They're running the other way with it, it's Kenny Moore again. He's at the 30, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Two of the day, a pick six by Kenny Moore. Kenny Moore is beating the Carolina Panthers. No doubt about it. himself. Snaps to Jones. Washington breaks forward, pressure up the middle, throws over the center of the field. That was popped up the air, picked off! It is picked off! Claude Martin at the 32-yard line, and Washington's going to get a win in New England. Dobbs back to pass on third down. He stays in the pocket, fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Brandon Powell, the former Falcon, has beaten the Atlanta Falcons with a six-yard touchdown pass from Josh Dobbs. Baru! My son, my son is convinced based upon the body language, the hug, the way that Kevin O'Connell was talking about him in the locker room. My son is convinced that Kevin O'Connell loves him some Josh Dobbs and that Dobbs may be the guy going forward, not just this year. My son is convinced of that. Well, your son will. I'm not ready to sign that check. Please don't. Please don't. And Josh Jobs, is a, it was a great story. That was remarkable. I'm sure he's respected. You don't want him as your starting quarterback. That, that's not going to bring you anywhere. Why not? It's not going to bring you anywhere. I mean, geez. Why? I mean, I, be, because what? We've seen Josh Jobs play a lot. I saw him already this year in Arizona. There was games they could have won if he would have hit open people or not made mistakes. Yeah, it worked out for him there. There's a reason he's been on seven different teams in the last three years or whatever. I know I'm joking there a little bit. He's not starting quarterback. No, you're not material. far off. You're not. You're not far off. It's close, right? It's close he has to that. Been on, yeah. yeah, he has been on like seven different teams since 2019. Um. Well, regardless, I'm going to enjoy it while it lasts. That's for real. And sure. Quite possibly. At some point tomorrow, at some point tomorrow, a white truck may roll up the hill, maybe a brown one. I don't know how they sent it, but but there may be a Josh Dobbs jersey in my wow. future. Sorry, Damn. Kirk. Sorry, Kirk. I mean, geez, but, Kirk but Cousins may, throws may nine be, million touchdown be. passes in two years. You can't wear his jersey. Josh Jobs throws one, and you're like, oh, I'm wearing his jersey. I'm buying it right now. I'm buying it right now. The quarterback I, I had, I want him benched, and I'm going to talk crap about him all the time, even though he's probably top no. 10-ish in football, and I don't love him. And then Josh Dobbs comes in, and all of a sudden, I'm going to buy the jersey, and he should be the guy going forward. I mean, holy crapola. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, I, I'm just, just kidding. He went off me. They, they cut me off camera. I'm just scratching my head. Yeah. They make me wear this makeup. It itches sometimes. What am I supposed to do? Use another right. finger. Um. So, so uh, yeah, but why not use the longest one? Why not? You? Why do we have to use the index finger? It's not as long as the next finger. The next finger is far more effective when it comes to reaching an itch. Okay, so... I, I had the Cousins jersey on the Tuesday after the win over your San Francisco 49ers. And I was saying, now's the time to sign him to a new contract before your buddy Kyle initials his uh, or tattoos his initials onto his leg next to yours and tries to go get Kirk Cousins. So, yeah, 
I'm all in with Kirk. I but my son just thinks that that uh, O'Connell and and why wouldn't you have a great degree of affection for a guy who come in comes in no doubt did everything necessary stayed after practice for two and a half hours working with the assistant quarterback coach knew just enough to make it all work went out there played with heart and soul and got the win for the Vikings at a time when I don't think anybody expected that to happen okay so what did that do for the Vikings what did that do for the Falcons where's everybody else in this week's power rankings presented by our friends at Toyota let's have a look shall we at this week's Power Rankings. And I did something, Chris, that I don't like to do. Yeah. I rarely do things I don't like to do. It hit me at around age 55 that, you know what? Once you've lived this long, you should no longer do anything you don't like to do. Just do what you want. Well, I don't like, I did it anyway, I don't like to drop a team that didn't play. The Jaguars were on a bye, and they were number two. And I really don't like dropping them to number three. I could no longer justify, after what the Ravens did to the Seahawks, following what they did to the Lions two weeks earlier, 37-3 and prior to that 38-6, I couldn't keep the Ravens below the Jaguars. I had to make them number two to the Eagles was I wrong to do that? No, I, I don't think you're wrong. I mean, I think if you look at the quality of play the last few weeks and what Baltimore has done, you could sit here and argue that they're maybe the best team in football with how well they've played. I'm with you. I would have kept Philadelphia number one. I do think Jacksonville, I mean, uh, excuse me, Baltimore is clearly two. And I love that you give Jacksonville love. I don't think a lot of people are quite giving them the love that they deserve. You know, they're a really good football team with no weaknesses, a roster that matches up with just about everybody, right? We saw them go toe-to-toe with the Chiefs, and I don't even, you know, they weren't even playing good football at that point. So I, I, I like your top three. I'm with you there. You certainly could, you know, Chiefs and Jaguars, you know, I, I certainly could understand you flipping that around. I probably would have the Chiefs three and the Jaguars four, uh, but I'm not mad at you for that, at least as far as the top four is concerned. I mean, the Chiefs are flawed right now. They got embarrassed by the Broncos just two games ago. And that game against the Dolphins, once again, playing with their food, screwing around, letting the Dolphins hang around, and needing the defense to bail them out. Not the offense going and seizing the win, the defense bailing them out. So they should be happy to be number four because they're flawed right now. And Patrick Mahomes said to Peter King afterward, I guarantee you we're going to get it together offensively. We've got the best defense in the league right now, and that's helping them. They can climb. They just need to win, and they can't have these pothole games like they had at Denver, which may have given them the wake-up call they needed. The 49ers came up one just because, you know, the Dolphins lost, and they were kind of just – you know, it, the narrative is locking in for the Dolphins. Beat the bad teams, lose to the good teams. Beat the bad teams, lose to the good teams. They've had three games against good teams. They've lost all of them. They got embarrassed by the Bills. Yep. They lost to the Eagles, and now they've lost to the Chiefs. And even though the 49ers have lost three in a row, I feel like the 49ers are better than the Dolphins right now. So that's why I dropped the Dolphins down, and I did something I also don't like to do. The 49ers didn't play. I like to keep the teams that had a bye where they were. But but it's easier for me to justify moving a team up. It's harder to justify moving a team down. It was easy for me to say 49ers go up because after that game on – 
Sunday and the way it ended and just everything about it, Dolphins need to be out of the top five. Uh, I agree. I think you're being still too nice to the Dolphins. I do. I would. I. I. I think you should have the Lions, Bengals, and Cowboys in front of the Dolphins. At least that that's how I look at it. I, I, I got to see the Dolphins win one against one of these teams that has a good defensive line and a complete football team. They are totally feast on the poor, don't look so good against the very good team you know, in the NFL right now. So that, that, that does worry me about them. I, I think you are. I, I would say this, Mike. You know, I think I think you should have the forty nine the the Bengals in front of the 49ers. I think if if it was my say, I'd go Bengals, 49ers, Lions, Cowboys, then Dolphins. That's how I kind of look at it. If you take just the way teams look right now, I think the Bengals are every bit as good and playing as good as those top teams you see in your power rankings and certainly can match up and beat any of them. Here's what's difficult because the Bengals started one and three. Yeah, they, right. They dig a hole that they have to climb out of. Right. And I, right. I, you know, I still think the 49ers are an elite team. They've just hit a rough stretch. Right. This isn't indicative of who they are. Now, yeah. if it continues. And that's why this weekend's game, who boy, 49ers at the Jaguars. Oh, I know. I mean, man. You know, the Jaguars can really cement their credentials to be considered one of the top teams in the NFL if they beat a 49ers team that lost three in a row and had two weeks to get ready for this one. Right. The Jaguars also had two weeks to get ready. But this is a hell of an opportunity for the Jaguars because everyone's going to expect the 49ers to get right in this game. They're not exactly getting a get-right type of opponent, though. So this may be the, the week that, that maybe the 49ers do get knocked down if they can't win this one. The Bengals, though, I think will keep climbing. I think they'll keep winning. They have hit their groove. They found their stride. And I feel like it's just a matter of time before they're in the top five. And they're going to be a dangerous team when the playoffs roll around. And the Chiefs are not going to want to see those orange and black helmets anywhere when the postseason rolls around. And they do play. Remember there was a time early in the year when we were thinking, oh, crap, that Christmas Eve. Or no, it's New Year's Eve game. It's a New Year's Eve game between the Chiefs and the and the Bengals. Oh, that's not going to mean anything. Oh, boy, it's it's potentially going to mean a lot for both teams the way things are going right now and it could decide where a postseason rematch happens whether it's in Cincinnati or Kansas City remember Kansas City under Patrick Mahomes has never played a playoff game away from home that is an amazing stat 18 19 20 21 22 every playoff game they've played has been at home one more question before we break yeah Bills at 12 Bills at 12 too high too low just right no I think you're just right. I think. I think. Uh, I think it's right in the general area. I would have them in front of the Steelers. I would. All right, but I, I, it's not like egregious where I look at it. I look at the Bills and go, I think that defense could slow down the Steelers. And you know, I know the Steelers' defense is good, but it's not great. Uh, I think that's a defense that you know Josh Allen and company can move the ball on. I'd have them in front of the Steelers. Uh, but but I, I, I think you're in the general area there. I don't think you're wrong to have them right about that area, 10, 11, 12, 13. I think that's exactly where they are for me. I mean, there's a certain point where we just have to accept the fact that the Bills aren't an elite team this year. And the way they've played since winning three in a row, blowing out the Raiders, the Commanders, and the Dolphins, 
They lost something after that, and they can't find it. And remember, every game they play is in a high-profile slot from now until Week 17, so we get to continue to study them to see what's wrong. We talked yesterday about the offense and the issues with Ken Dorsey and they're not going to make any changes. What changes could you make during the season? I think it's setting up for changes being made after the season. And if Sean McDermott's lucky, it's only going to be new offensive coordinator, not new offensive coordinator and new head coach. Much is to be determined based upon the way the rest of the season goes. Did we put up the second half of the power rankings? Just because I got a complaint last week, we didn't show the second half. And I said to folks, you can see the full list at profootballtalk.com if, if we don't put it up. But there, there are the 16 teams that didn't make the main screen. These are the teams scrambling for relevance. The Saints leading the way at number 17 after winning two in a row and up two spots. And they go to Minnesota this weekend. Two, five, and four teams getting together. Chris, was I too harsh with the Jets to drop them from seven or seven spots from 12 to 19? I I, I don't think you are. I, I, it's, I look at the teams that are in front of the Jets and go, oh, there's no guarantee that, you know, I don't look at any of the teams in front of them and go, oh, well, they would beat that team and they would beat that team. I mean, as we saw, the Jets with a freaking miracle, a horseshoe up their ass, plus a shamrock up their ass, <laughs> beat the Giants with Tommy DeVito. Oh, I mean, it took luck. Don't add do any that. rockets. So, don't add any rockets. So, you know, it, yeah, I, I don't think that's uh, – I, I think that's fair to put them there. I do. Uh, it, it, it's the general range. I have no problem with where you put the Jets. And it, it really is weird to look at 31 and see Patriots. I still can't get used to that, but that is exactly where they belong. The highest they would be is 30 because the Panthers have one win. But the Patriots just – a pathetic display this season, and the winds of change blowing at gale force quality in New England. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. Since Chris is here on Wednesday, because we've heard, I've heard, many people are saying, we want after further review, our segment about officiating issues. In the I want it back on Wednesday. Further I said I review. want Chris to be here. I want the review. perspective of a former player as we break down whatever rules do or don't apply to some situation we are going to pick at a scab that we talked about on monday and that chris tweeted about on monday and a lot of eagles fans are upset with chris imagine that eagles fans upset with chris who would have imagined that after further review next here on pft live for the world's greatest athletes this is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record again! Goal for the United States! Unbelievable! And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this! How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. This time, offense, number 83. What did he say? <laughs> he said offside or false start. False start in German. Somewhere Dwight Schrute sheds a tear. Yeah, it was the first regular season game played in a country. No, not the first. It was the same. They didn't do it last year. What am, what am I thinking? They yeah, did it what last are you year. thinking? They could have done it last year. I guess somebody just. Come on, I've Billy Baru, old timer. Get your stuff right. Now. Let's go. Sorry. Sorry, yeah, it was the second time they played in Germany, but the first time 
they catered to the primary language of the location of the game by calling a foul in a language other than English, but they didn't do that again the rest of the game. All right, so we, we showed you an official there, and that means it's time for after further review. And we talked about this a little bit on Monday when we were discussing the Cowboys-Eagles game. We pulled up the rule book. We kind of clumsily did it on the fly because it wasn't something that we had pre-planned. We just kind of went there. Right. This relates to a key play in the fourth quarter. 28-17 was the score at the time. Ten minutes and ten seconds left in the game. The Cowboys were facing fourth and goal at the Philadelphia 1. And again, we talked about it Monday. Chris tweeted the clip with an explanation. I raised the point as well in a retweet. And it became kind of a thing. So we want to talk this through. And we're not I, – I mean, part of the goal here is to explain yes. what the rule is. Right. What the rule is and understand what it is and then offer our opinion on what maybe it should be. So this is one of those areas where the rule book says one thing and then an interpretation is applied – by the league to what the rules are. And that always makes me nervous. Right. If there's an interpretation that needs to be applied, the interpretation should be codified in the rule book. It shouldn't be something that someone at 345 Park Avenue says, this is how this works. The owner should have a chance to vote on every rule that is relevant to the game. And if there's a loophole, if there's an inconsistency that requires interpretation, right. it should be codified yes. by the owners. Yes. That's all we're getting That's at. That's all we're getting so, at. Thank you for explaining that. No, right. thank you. And, I, and, and yes, I, I, you know, I, I just want to see the league be better and fix itself. And it's like food for thought here. Like you're saying, there's a flaw, a loophole here. I was rooting for the Eagles, jerk Eagle fans out there that are all over me on yeah, social we media. Both the Eagles they to were win best, my best bet. We wanted them right. to win. I mean, I the Eagles are the best team in football. No one in Philadelphia can get over that I didn't put Jalen Hurts in the top three quarterback conversation, and therefore they think I'm a hater on the Eagles. He's awesome. I say it all the time. Do I think he's top three? No, I don't. It's not going to change right now. Sorry. But yes, this deserves to be talked about. There's a flaw here in how this, this rule is written in the language around it. And here's the fundamental problem. It's what you have to do to successfully catch a ball right. versus where the ball is spotted yes. after the catch is made. And the loophole, the flaw is very simple. They put the ball where your knee or some other body part was down if you're down by contact, even if you haven't completed the catch. And the catch isn't completed if you're going to the ground until you land on the ground and retain possession. Right. The catch isn't completed. So the play shouldn't be over. And That's all the we're spot saying. shouldn't be finalized right. until you've completed the catch based on the current rule book. Based on the rule book, that should be the rule. The way the NFL interprets it, not in the rule book, is voted on by the owners with at least 24 of them saying, that's good for me. The way it's interpreted is you're down when that knee or other body part hits. That's where the ball is. And then it's just like we stand back and make sure that when you landed, you caught the ball, but where the ball is, where you land, doesn't matter. Again, that's not in the rule book. But that's how they apply it. Let's show the play. 
from 10 minutes and 10 seconds left in the fourth quarter of the Eagles-Cowboys game. Fourth and goal. There's the catch. The knee's down. When the knee's down, freeze it. Go back a little bit. Let's freeze it when the knee's down. The ball is not across the plane. See? Okay. That's it. Right there, you're not in. But the catch isn't completed right. until Luke Schoolmaker hits the ground. Right. He's got to survive the ground. We hear that all the time. So let's play it forward. By the time he has landed and held on to the ball, completing the catch, he's in. So my point, and, and this is the point. If it's not a catch when the knee's down and the ball's not in the end zone, if it's not a catch, how is the play over? Exactly. How is that where the the ball gets marked? Right. It makes no sense. No. It should be the the play isn't over until the catch is completed, and that's where the ball is. Right. And look, how often is this going to be an issue? Not very often. But this is a point where there's this bizarre warped interpretation that the league has decided through its officiating department to apply that's not in the rule book if anything the rule book suggests the other side of it if you are going to the ground before you fully completed the act of making the catch in that part c of the rule book that whole opportunity to make a football move and that was the action zone for all the confusion for all those years and they finally cleared it up simply by adding if you get a second foot down you've had enough time to hold on to the ball but but if you're going to the ground before you have a chance to do that football move you've got to keep possession so so if the play isn't over until when you're going to the ground you keep possession how in the f dash dash k is the play over when your knee was down but you haven't caught the ball yet that, that that's exactly right that, that's it that's all we're trying to just find that make this definitive right and and uh, i got friends in the nfl who have seen and saw these clips and saw what we said and they're all like yes this is an issue this is wrong right just as like you know, I some of the idiots on Twitter yesterday with it. Well, it's the same thing. If you, yeah, t- yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, well, they got to deal with it. Sorry, it's my turn now. So they, they I know. you know, they right. toe. Ta- they, oh, it's the same <laughs> as when they toe tap and they go out of bounds. Yeah, but if they're going to the ground, they still have to survive the ground, even in that instance. And so it's not a completed catch yet at that moment. But exactly. yes, so uh, exactly. you know, that's all we're trying to do here is trying to make it more concise and better. The rules, the way they are right now, of Philadelphia fans, I totally understand that that's not a touchdown. All I'm saying is, with the rules and how they're written, it does not make sense. That makes no sense, right? So it, just put it this way. Where his knee is, okay, and we freeze it and he catches the ball, okay, the ball's spotted there. But if he continues to fall on the ground and loses control of the ball, they're going to go incomplete, incomplete. So at freeze frame, he caught it short of the goal line. Oh, okay. Then it hits the ground. It's incomplete. That makes no sense in the, in the grand scheme of things. And that's all we're trying to talk about. So it's not even a completed catch at this point by any – Part of the rule book by any part right now, this is not a completed catch. It's not. So then how therefore can we spot the ball at a spot where the catch is not even completed? And that's where it makes no sense. And that's where the rules committee and everybody else has to get on this to remedy this situation. Well, if I'm an owner of the team, I'm getting on the phone with Roger Goodell or Troy Vincent or Walt Anderson and saying, why is it that, 
you guys have grafted onto this rule an interpretation that isn't in the rule book. And here's where it comes from, just so we're clear. The rule regarding a completed or an incomplete or an intercepted pass. There are three steps, as we well know, dating back to Calvin Johnson in 2010. Right. First, you've got to catch the ball. You've got to secure the ball in your hands or your arms before the ball touches the ground. Second, you've got to touch the ground inbounds with both feet or any other part of his body other than his hands. Those are the first two. Those are the easy ones. The tough one was C. After you do A and B, that is catch the ball and touch with a foot or some other body part inbounds, you have to perform an act common to the game, such as tucking the ball away, extending it forward, taking another step, that second step that they added in that cleared up a lot of the confusion, turn up field, ward off an opponent, the football move. Right. That's when the catch is completed. Unless if you do A and B before you get to C, if you're contacting the ground and you lose control, it's not a catch. It's incomplete. And... If you regain control out of bounds, right, it's not a catch. Right. If, you're, if you do toe tap, you fall down, and you bobble the ball, it's not a catch. Play's not over. Catch isn't complete until you're down. Toe tap isn't good enough. Inbounds. Chris, let's, let's throw this little twist on. Yeah, yeah. Because this contemplates regaining control of the ball. If you're inbounds, you can bobble it and regain control. So if the player hits, let's play that again. Yeah. Let's say hypothetically – He comes down, and the ball pops up in the air without touching the ground, and he catches it in the end zone. What is it then? Under the NFL's interpretation, it's still Eagles ball at the one-inch line, right? Right. Because the catch isn't completed, but the play's over. This makes no sense, people. That's why we're we're poking at this. That's why we're raising this. It's counterintuitive. Right. They're... They're putting an interpretation into the rules that the language of the rules doesn't support because I guarantee you that the league's position would be if he loses possession and regains control and he's in the end zone at that point, it's still not a touchdown. It's still not a touchdown because he was down when his knee hit and he had the ball and everything after that. It's not part of the play. It's just making sure that the catch that we're going to rule short of the goal line was complete. It just makes no sense. No, it makes no. It's, it's overly not, complicating it's, exactly, the situation. It's not common sense. Exactly right. That, that's where it is. This, this is if one, the catch, right. if the if the catch isn't complete until he hits the ground and survives the ground, and they say that all the time, survives the ground. If it's not over until then, the play isn't over until then, and the ball is spotted where the player is when the catch is completed. Yeah, when it's in bounds. Right, out of bounds is different. Right, in bounds, it should be where the ball is when the catch is finally completed that's right that that's right and that's what we're trying to get at here and here let's 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 take it one step further because the jump off of this conversation is really something that happened in week eight with the colt saints football game similar type of thing and i think we have the clip here now to where we can dive into this now this play right here right here we're going to see a deep pass Taysom hill to rashid shaheed shaheed kind of catches it in the air okay but now the colts defender takes the ball out of his hands. And just like the Cowboys game and everything we saw there, and we don't have a lot of slow-motion replays of this one, the catch is not completed because he did not survive the ground yet, and the ball was already taken out of his hands. But they gave him the ball. They gave the Saints the completion based on the same thing we just saw 
you know, with Schoenmacher and the Cowboys that, you know, when his knee hit the ground, the ball was in his hands. But as he continued to go down to the ground, the ball was ripped out of his hands. He didn't survive the ground. The guy from the Colts took the ball before the catch was actually completed by definition in the rule book. So how could that not be an interception? So these are just, again, food for thought, things that don't make sense, doesn't line up with the language, and that's where Florio and I are here to help fix these problems. But we're crazy, we're wrong, we're ridiculous, we're biased, we hate the Eagles, we love the Cowboys. I need to say one thing, I know we didn't take a break. The NFL's position on this, and this was the explanation that was provided to me when I asked about it earlier this week. The reason that Schoonmaker was down short of the end zone, because by rule he was down by contact, the same would apply at the sideline if a receiver is in the act of completing the catch, has control, and knee hits inbounds, but he falls out of bounds with the ball. He is down by contact inbounds where the knee hits and the ball is dead at that point. That's fine at the sideline. Inbounds, if the catch isn't finished until the player's down, the ball should be where it is when the catch is finally even official. the sideline really if all that, that happens and see, we got a break they're being even if all that happens and break. he lands out of bounds on the sidelines and loses the ball it's not a catch so it still proves our point right the nfl skirting right. their answer a little bit there by not quite explaining that courtney has politely told me to break about 15 times she's not going to be polite much longer we'll be back with more pf to live right now Just when it appeared that Carson Wentz was going to find no NFL home in 2023, the Rams have added Carson Wentz as the backup to Matthew Stafford. With both Dresser Wynn and Brett Rippon being asked to politely pack their things and leave. I don't know what's going on here. I don't know why it took so long for Wentz to get back in. And I don't know whether this is some sort of a warped effort by Sean McVay to rehabilitate Wentz and maybe make him into an option post Matthew Stafford could that be something he's thinking about that maybe McVay quarterback whisperer could somehow get Carson Wentz to you know not throw a pick six with his offhand while he's in the end zone already do you think it's possible that McVay is thinking he can craft Wentz into something more than what he's been well, it, it's worth a shot in the dark, I think, you know. I mean, th- that's one thing. We've seen Carson Wentz. He does have talent, right? There's another, you know, bunch of issues that go along with him. But McVay, yeah, is, I know, extremely confident in his ability to coach, make quarterbacks better, formulate game plans around him. But I think it's more of, Mike, like, this is something they're trying to do just to salvage this season right now. I think that's really the big thing. He's trying to make sure this doesn't fall apart. And I think after last week, like you heard me say during the game when we were watching, how was Brett Rippon the actual backup quarterback for a football team? How did that actually happen? So I think they're looking at it going, wait, we're not going to win any games with the current status of our quarterbacks if Matthew Stafford's not out there. we got to do something else, and at least Carson Wentz can hit open receivers and make a few big plays here and there, and we'll see where it goes. But I think McVay is more in damage control, making sure they don't end up 3-14 and 14 here. I mean, bottom line is this. Tommy DeVito, Carson Wentz. It really should be a no-brainer that Wentz should be back in the league. We're scraping Agreed. the bottom of the barrel for yeah. NFL quarterbacks. Right. A guy like Wentz, at some point, it was inevitable he's going to get a chance. He gets it with the Rams. We'll take a break. More PFT Live coming at you right after this.
The Dallas Cowboys have added receiver Martavis Bryant to the practice squad. He last played in the NFL in 2018, and he is one of the guys, Chris, who got lost in the shuffle in 2020, and this was on both the league and the union. When they essentially decriminalized marijuana and other street drugs in the 2020 CBA, they didn't account for Josh Gordon, Martavis Bryant, Justin Blackman, remember him, guys who were on this indefinite suspension. They didn't create a path for them to get back. They didn't reinstate them. So here we are three years later. Martavis Bryant did whatever he had to do, checked whatever boxes he needed to check, said, Mother May I, enough times to the commissioner to get back in. He's back in as of Saturday, and he's on the Cowboys practice squad as of today. It's great to see him get a shot at redemption. He's in his early 30s now. He showed flashes of greatness when he played for the Steelers, and now we'll see what he can do. Yeah, it kind of stinks or ridiculous that it's taken this long to get him back in the league for something that now nobody even cares about. You know, that's the first thing there. But I understand the Cowboys taking a shot here, seeing what he has. He had freakish type ability. Like you said, we saw you saw some superstar-like traits from Martavis Bryant. And I'm sure the Cowboys are looking at it. The Cowboys right now are having a hard time finding another receiver other than C.D. Lamb to do something or scare a defense. So maybe they're hoping to hit gold here with Martavis Bryant. Remember when he made that catch in the playoff game against the Bengals at the back of the end zone? He, like, caught it behind his legs. Remember that? Yeah. Kind of flipped. It was some incredible play. He showed great talent, and now he gets a chance to maybe make a difference for the Cowboys down the stretch for the 2023 season. That's it. Chris, great seeing you on a Wednesday. Everybody else, enjoy your day. PFTPM coming up later. See ya. Tomorrow morning, Chris will be back for PFT Live. PFT Live.